Oh, that's the bell ringing every time a bell ri- Teacher says that every time a bell rings, a podcast gets its wings. <laughs> so I guess we got ours, and we are ready to fly because we are the Vintage Sand team. Michael, John, and Josh, and we are ready for episode eight. Yes, episode eight of Vintage Sand. Has it already been eight episodes? My goodness. Sure it has. Tempest fug it. It's been and, fun. Yeah, and uh, we have a groupie who turns out to be John's niece. Hi, John's niece. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Nicole. <laughs> Just pass it along. <laughs> Send along the love. Um, so I'm going to begin uh, episode eight um, with a question before I reveal the title and what we're all about. What would you say is your favorite film book? Or maybe the most influential film book on you? I'll bet you guys are film book readers. Mm. Well, uh, the Donald Spoto book, The Art of Alfred Hitchcock, I think is oh, very that's influential. So wild, John. No, uh, I, was, I was going with Dark Side of Genius. The, the, the one that sort the of combined the biography and the yeah. film stuff. But I must have read that 30 times in college. Yeah, and, and part of the reason that I, I talk about, I, I mentioned that book is because I remember when I started reading about halfway through, it's like, my God, I'm suddenly looking at movies in a completely different way. I know, right? And he was so knowledgeable about all the different motifs that Hitchcock was always using and, and certain symbols that he that kept repeating over and over and over again. And um, yeah, very underrated was, film writer. I don't know what he's done recently. I don't know if he's still alive. He but started, uh, he started. He started doing a lot of biographies. Yeah, that's right. He was doing celeb biographies. Yeah. That's right. Well, like, what about you? Uh, well, I concur with John on uh, uh, Spoto. I read a ton of Hitchcock. I mean, I remember reading all the and the Robin Wood book. On yes, Hitchcock. Robin, Robin, Robin Wood book, book is, is amazing. He does a few of the films, but it's a great book. It's a great and little book. I, re- I remember reading Raymond Dergnat's book on... Um, it's bad. On, oh, it's terrible. No, the section on Vertigo begins, Night Falls Over the Skyline of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I was like, okay, dude, if you can't even distinguish Los Angeles from San Francisco, which is, you know, the entire thing is that it's set in San Francisco, so snap that shot. I, we mentioned in another episode the, the Romer and Chabral book on Hitchcock, which was very interesting. But the reason I bring it up is because um, one of our, one of my favorite... I like um, David Thompson's writing, too. I was David way ahead of me. Yes, yep. a thousand and one movies to see or something. All, all of them. And, yeah. and, 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 and the biographical, biographical dictionary. dictionary. Right. And did you guys book. ever read Suspects? That's no. That's his book of short stories where he combines film noir characters <laughs> with... Bumping into characters from other film noirs and also characters from real life. It's wonderful. And it's all tied together and we find out who the narrator is at the end. And let's just say it's very appropriate for Christmas. But I really recommend that suspects. I would like to put in a word for Mark Harris's book. Um, oh, uh, about the four films in... Uh 67? Five films. Five films. He talks about... Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. Five that's films, good uh, how it, that year changed uh, filmmaking... And he, he discusses the two conservative films, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and Dr. Doolittle, the two radical ones, Graduate and Bonnie and Clyde, and the one that won. That was sort of in between. In between heat was the in the heat of the night. Yeah. But I always tell anyone who I lend the book to, be sure to read the Dr. Doolittle sections because they're the most fun. Oh, God. Rex Harrison. Oh, wow. my God. Wow. <laughs> and that fabulous nut. songwriting team of Newley and Bracuse who oh. just like are so unlistenable now. Anywho, I, I asked that because um, a episode today is based on the work of one of my favorite film writers of the 80s and 90s who's still alive and still blogging out there, although hasn't published in a book uh, pu- uh, published a book in a while. His name is Danny Peary. And Danny Peary is sort of the pop David Thompson or Jonathan Rosenbaum, another critic I love, the guy who used to write for a Chicago Reader, who wrote uh, three books about cult movies, cult movies one, two, and three, um, that stand up really, really well. And also The Guide for the Film Fanatic from 1986 is my favorite if you can get a hand on it. But speaking of out-of-print books, uh, probably my favorite book of his, though, is a book he put out in 19. 91 called, um, 93 actually, called Alternate Oscars. And in it, he goes through all the Oscars from 1928 through 1991 at that point, up through Silence of the Lambs, and does what we all dream of doing, those of us who recognize that the Oscars are foolishness and we can't tear ourselves away anyway. <laughs> and, well, it's, it's that which is all of us. And, um, and gives what he thinks the proper choice should have been. Um, and so in the spirit of that book... 
um, which again is out of print. But if you can, it's easy to track down on ABE Books or an old uh, old books website. Check it out; it's wonderful, and he writes beautifully. Um, we're going to play that game. We're going to play alternate Oscars, and for this episode, we're going to try to do different eras in for different episodes as we go along. But for this episode which we call Alternate Oscars, the 1980s. And we're focusing on the 80s because that's a decade that we have mostly ignored. We sort of danced around it. It hasn't really come up much. And there's a good reason. Our first reaction is, oh, the 80s. Oh, God, what a terrible time for American film. And I don't really think it was that bad. It surely was not the 70s. Yeah, that was my reaction, too. And then when I started looking at all these movies again, I realized... Actually, this was a pretty good yeah, decade. There were movies. some good movies. There. None of the ones that were officially recognized. So I think I'm sticking with all with Best Picture alternate Oscars. Me Mike, too. is too. John, are you doing all Best Pictures? or? Oh, I thought that's what we were all concentrating on. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so we're on the same page. So settle back, sit down, relax, get a glass of eggnog, spike it a little bit. You're going to need it for uh, alternate Oscars, the 80s, our top five, if we could have chosen it, what we would have chosen. Mikey, why don't we start with you? What's your number five? Oh, <clears throat> my number five, uh, well, that would be... We're going to go year by year? Yeah, I thought we were going to go year by year. Oh, no, I thought let's just, let's just oh, go around. Okay, well, I have all I have all ten, but I can choose one e uh, easily. Um... Uh, definitely 1985. Uh, out of oh. Africa was the winner. I uh, had the farm in Africa. Which <laughs> was a perfectly nice and frankly very forgettable movie. It's not forgettable, but it's... it's a good Klaus Mariah Brandauer part. Yeah, yes. uh, Redford and uh, uh, terribly miscast in the lead. Um, and I like Redford. Yeah, they they did something very weird is because he was supposed to have it's written for someone who's British. British, yeah. And apparently they they said like, Redford don't do, is not British. You, you, they said I, I I don't know whose decision was like no we don't want Redford to do a British accent, but they didn't rewrite it for someone who's not British or whatever. So it's, sometimes he has those lines and it's and it just doesn't sound right. It be. It just sounds weird. So, what would you? What would your choice be? Well, instead? that year, um, uh, the the one of the nominees w- would have been my choice, and that would have been John Huston's Pritzi's Honor. Pritzi's Honor, yeah. absolutely, one of the great satires of all time. Everything about that movie just works. You would, and I'm quoting Pauline Kael. You would never guess that this was directed by somebody who was like 83. Oh my God! Yeah. It, okay. it, it, yeah, <laughs> another cookie, my dear. <laughs> everybody in it, everybody in it is is just uh, is just superb. Jack Nicholson, it's he was still being a great actor, um, and uh, a lot of people don't know it. I mean, it is the movie that made Angelica Houston famous, and justifiably she's very, she's so. Very, she's very, amazing. Very good. She in did it. win the Academy Award. The only one it won. Do I ice her? Do I ki- do I marry her? Which one of these? That, that movie was just such a surprise <laughs> yeah. when I saw it. Yeah, because Houston had been kind of uneven. Two years yes. or three years yeah. earlier, he did Annie, Annie. Annie. Yeah. to pay for his whole um, career was uneven. Yeah. Really. yeah. Um, but that's the movie I would have chosen. I also happen to like Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Oh, very much. yeah. Which it wasn't that, even nominated. No. And it wasn't nominated. I think it got a screenplay. I, I would throw, in terms of cultural importance, I would throw Back to the Future in there. I mean, because Back to the Future has become, especially with my daughter's generation, it's really interesting. Yeah, a total a phenomenon. I love that movie. All three of them, but I really love the I first one. I didn't see the third. I didn't like the second. The first I thought was fun. It was really good. All right, so my number five is 1982. and So the winner was Gandhi that year. And, you know, look, it's an incredible performance by Ben Kingsley, and he deserves all the credit for that. I mean, he should have won Best, best Actor. But, again, as a cultural phenomenon, you have two science fiction films that year. Very, very different feeling that either of which I would have been happy with. E.T., of course, which... Is a much better film than Gandhi. It is a, if you, it is you, a better movie. It's it, it's 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 there's a reason of bec- that it's so classic. Gandhi, I mean, it, Gandhi it, was that a movie? I remember when I first saw it be, because of what it's about, the the subject matter, the the themes, who it's about. It's very well acted. Yes, of course. And Ben Kingsley is great in it. But the whole movie, I was just like, 
God, I wish it was better. God, I wish it was better. Yeah, and, and it just was because he's just he's sort of a bland director. It was it was said that the Attenborough, reason, right? Richard Attenborough, yeah. Yeah. Lord Richard Attenborough. It was said the reason that it won was because um, Gandhi was what all Academy voters wanted to be: lean, tan, and noble. <laughs> Whereas they actually all look like ET, so they should have voted for ET, which is short, wrinkly, and pot-bellied. So they should have voted my, for my ET. Yeah, and, my I think, and I think any of the other movies that were nominated you for Best Picture were better movies. Yeah. And, and I would I would also put alongside E.T. is Blade Runner. I mean, just for nothing else besides, uh, I know it's slow as molasses, but... That, the, that was a good year, because when I look at some of the other movies that came out that year, uh, Sophie's Choice, Diner... Tootsie. Yeah. Uh, well, but I'm, I'm looking at movies that were not nominated oh, at all, yeah. but... Yeah, Tootsie, I mean, uh, but uh, Sophie's Choice, Diner, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, My Favorite Year, Shoot the Moon, which I is a Shoot the Moon, year. Alan Parker's best film. Good yeah, movie. it's been By kind far. of forgotten. Victor Victoria. And also... And also year of Living Dangerously. And also two... Uh, two um, Fassbender movies, and that was the year he that's died. Right, Lola right, yeah. and Veronica and Voss. Veronica Voss. Yes, but those are so, American movies. So <laughs> I would, so I would, uh, I would take either, especially E.T., but even Blade Runner over Gandhi. But of course, those were the days when science fiction was still in uh, considered lesser storytelling, yeah. and uh, eventually they'll get over that. John, your number five. Uh, I'm going to go with 1981. How the hell is Chariots of Fire win best? Movie? I have no idea. I kind of like Chariots of Fire. I really do. It's a little masterpiece theater e, but very much so. It's it's just I just always thought it was a little on the bland side. The music. I think it, the music uh, kind of made it famous, really. On top of the smoky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure what I would pick. I have to. Reds? I have to say. Of the I five. Mean, of the of the five. I mean, Atlantic City Atlantic is a better City. movie. Atlantic City is wonderful. Oh yeah. God. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a better movie. One hundred percent. Reds is a better movie. Uncalled and Pine. No, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> but Y'all there were no, a couple of a, there's some other movies that came out that year that were really good that were kind of passed by. Betrayal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Body Heat. Oh, yeah. great. Movie that's, a movie that's film. not well-known, it's been kind of forgotten, that I've always liked a lot, Cutter's Way. Cutter's oh, my God, Way. thank Jeff, you. Jeff Bridges yeah. and John Hurd. Oh, my God, Ivan Passer directed, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one yeah. of Bridges is next to Lebowski, Lebowski, yeah. Um, yeah. maybe it's his best performance. It's an excellent movie, and it was just... I would add what I think is Blake Edwards' best film. SOB. 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 Can't argue do any with business, that. but oh my god, that's a funny movie. I mean, yeah, I, I, I happen to love Chariots, and I was, a, I was not sad when it beat Reds, which was the other favorite. Reds but, was the favorite. I oh think. yeah, yeah, by a long shot. But I think it's kind of a simple, moving story. Okay, but yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, I would well, take that's definitely another take movie Raiders. like Gandhi. That when I was saw it, I was like halfway through, I was like, God, I wish it was so much better because it's such rich subject matter. Right. Mm. Yeah. No, I hear you. All right, Michael, number four oh, for number you. Four, okay, um, 1989. Oh, I thought was a really, really good year for movies, but you wouldn't know it from the nominees for Best Picture: Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Poets Society, Field of Dreams, My Left Foot, and the winner, Driving Miss Daisy. Ooh. Driving Miss Daisy was perfectly nice movie. It's, it's a good movie. It's based not the best a, movie. Either. Based on a perfectly nice play. But, mm. But um, <clears throat> I thought there were several. Pick there were several picture that were nominated. Of, uh, my, uh, Feel the dreams. I, th- I think that's what I would go with. Yeah, I, I, of the five. Yeah, I think so. I might go English teacher on you. I recognize that Dead Poet Society is possibly the most maudlin. Film I ever loved made, it at the time. But yeah, I did too. I saw I it at too. the end of my very first year of teaching, and oh, I thought God. it was the greatest okay. thing I'd ever seen in yeah, my life. Of course. So, well, of but yeah, but the films that came out that year. Yeah, there were a lot Mizerskis, of good movies that came out that year. Enemies, a love story. Oh, the singer, Steve yeah. Kovacs, Enemies, the Enemies is such a good movie, yep. and it was—it's been kind of forgotten. Totally. Yep. They don't they didn't even mention it in uh, Mazursky's um, obituary. That's amazing. It's, That's a beautiful movie. Uh, yeah. I think one of Woody Allen's best movies came out that year. Crimes my and favorite, misdemeanors. My favorite yeah. Woody Allen film. Absolutely. Uh, the Fabulous Baker Boys, which is yeah, that's a good movie. Wonderful, it holds wonderful up well. film. And uh, um, I. Put a little plug in for Claude Chabrol's story of women about abortion with Isabelle Huppert. Mm, I have Great. not seen that. Oh, All right, that's really, one for the I don't list. have it. Unfortunately. But also, Bull Durham came out that year. 
Oh, no, Bull Durham no, was 88. Yeah, I think that was 88. Oh, really? Yeah. No, but, well, don't go any further oh, because that's my okay. number. My, my number one is 1989, okay. and it's a film you haven't even mentioned yet. But so. my favorite film of 1989 was Sex, Lies, and Video. Yeah, it's a uh, movie. Extraordinary. Shows, really. Extraordinary. Yeah, occasionally Showtime will have it. Yeah, and, you know, that was the film um, that really kicked off that next mm-hmm. wave of quote-unquote indie directors <laughs> yeah, was, was that film. Yeah. It's Steven Soderbergh. Yep. Um, no Tarantino without yeah. Soderbergh. You're absolutely, oh, absolutely. right. I, I think Soderbergh's better. <laughs> I, well, I mean, very different. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah. I mean, he makes movie after movie after movie after movie. But well, certainly, now he's sort of yeah. kind of retired, isn't he? Well, he well, said he was going to retire. And do TV, but he came back and yeah. did a film. And he did do He did The Nick. With yes, Clive which I Owen. did not see. Yeah, I don't need that very much blood in my life. Very as yeah. far as... Mm-hmm. You know, genre. I mean, he's all I love the, the oceans movies. They're so far superior to the original. Oh well, you're setting the bar low, man. True, <laughs> <laughs> very true. But yeah, and what? No, but Soderbergh invented the whole one for me, one for them thing for directors, which I love because he makes a film like yeah. Ocean's Eleven that makes a, a yeah. ton of money with stars, and then he'll use the money and do a little thing like Tape or something like that, or yeah. you know, and plus in middle movies like Out of Sight and Traffic. I mean, tons yeah. of great Soderbergh yeah. films. So, yeah, Sex, Lies, and Videotape deserves credit not only for being a brilliant movie. One of James Spader's great performances. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's great. Everyone is. Yep. Andy McDowell, who was never much of an actress. And uh, actually, she did a movie this year that I can't remember the name of. It's on my list at home. But uh, she's turned in, into a pretty good actress. Yeah. I, I'm stunned. I mean, when she started out, she had to be dubbed. Like no, Close. That's, well, that's the, because why did they cast her? Because it had to be someone with a British yeah. accent. She has a this southern Texas accent. accent. Yeah, right. It was exactly. the world's worst kept secret. Great I, I don't understand why they did that. That was weird. Yes, that was Robert Town, wasn't Town? Yeah. Right. Yes, oh, and and, he, and Robert Town uh, uh, did not. Um, had his name taken off. All right, it's actually his dog is the writer. P. H. Fazek. Yes, that's right. I remember. He's the only dog to get nominated for an Oscar <laughs> because it was nominated for best screen dogs play. Dogs are desperately under underrated. The dog's name. Well, Robert Town is a lovely segue into my number four because my number four is 1988, and the winner that year was Rain Man. Mm. And hey. okay, well, yeah, oh exactly. A lot of people love Rain Man. I know. Who? I've met people who love. I love not. the movie. When you go to Vegas, you ask for the Rain Man suite. You know, you, oh. <laughs> the movie has some a cultural. Flow. That's a movie you never see. But the fact that it won in the same year that you know the Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. Yeah. And this is the second time, by the way, that I've mentioned a Zemeckis film going back to Back to the Future. But Who Framed Roger Rabbit? First of all, I tie it to Town because, as we were talking about last time, it really is the sequel to Chinatown. Except yes. instead of instead of well, it is instead instead of it's it's they're, they're getting rid of the the red bus so they can bring in the car the cars and the highways it is the real it's better than the two Jakes anyway guys you must say that um, water torture is better than the two Jakes but there you yes, go true. Um, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit is not only a technical masterpiece it's hilarious it's funny it's got more yeah. memorable lines than any other film that year it's so beautifully acted the conception is beautiful it, it holds up incredibly well 30 years later and i i i don't know what they were th- i do know what they were thinking because the you know portrayals like rain man that's what wins oscars i, I remember when i first saw who framed roger rabbit at the theater and just that that moment when they enter tombland mm-hmm. <sighs> God. And it was like, oh my God! Right? Well, my and the fact that it wasn't even this. nominated. Who came up with no, this? It wasn't even no, nominated. Of course not. The nominations that year, I thought, were very weak. I think that I think they just didn't know how to deal with that movie. But you had the accidental tourist, dangerous oh, yeah. liaisons, which oh. I did like, yeah. Mississippi Burning, yeah. and Working Girl. I, I like. I think girl. I would have voted for Dangerously. Me too. I would have voted Out for those five. I probably would have voted for Working Girl. It's the one Mike Nichols film I truly, truly love. Yeah, Virginia Woolf. Well, okay, not a big graduate. Event. All right, that, accidental it, it, tourists. I never understood. Yeah, no, oh, no. but it was, it was prestigious so literary and Tyler it was thing. So much and, that it was so bland. I want to put in a word for two of my favorite films of nineteen from eighty eight. Eighty eight, but they're not American. Go. 
And I almost have him tied. Shine the light, Louis Malle's best movie, Au revoir, Les Enfants. Oh, oh God, it's a great movie. Devastating. Great Devastating movie. See that movie? movie? Oh. I think of that movie and I start crying. Oh, yeah. especially the ending. Movie. And oh, nobody knows God. it today. It's never... Yeah, well, Malle's been forgotten. Yeah, almost and, and sadly. It's actually one of my favorite French films. Oh, oh it's just God. so, so wonderful. It, it's it, For people who don't know it... It's about a, a young Jewish boy who, who's a refugee in France during um, during the Holocaust, and, and they're hiding him in the school. And they're hiding him in a, yeah, in a boarding a, school, yeah. and his his friendship with another boy, and it's just it's just so he's like what twelve, eleven. Yeah, and they're oh. sort of hiding him. Yeah, and they're hiding him. And the uh, priest of this school are hiding him, and yeah, Catholic school. Oh, it, it's just—it's amazing. God. <laughs> and uh, throw in the Lacombe Lucien, which is his other great Holocaust yes. film. Uh, yes. Yeah. Where yeah. have you gone, Louis? And we mentioned Atlantic mm-hmm. City before, so Louis Malle's come up three times already. The other movie that I would almost tie with, because well, because I just think every time I see it, I laugh. Is Almodovar's Woman on the oh, Verge of Another Breakdown? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I actually watch that movie like once a year, just when I'm in, when I'm down. Unfortunately, they made a horrible musical of it yes. recently. Did you see it? No. Oh, it's bad. And but it announced him to the world. I mean, I'd never heard of him before that. And all that that, that movie made him famous. He yep. did do a few before. He's still working today. He's not as funny as he used to be. No. But uh, Woman on the Verge. So those are the my Absolutely. Two All right, John, you're number four. Decisions, decisions. Uh, I think I'll go with 1984. It's the unit Amadeus. Amadeus, one. yeah. <laughs> the nominees were Amadeus, The Killing Fields, A mm. Passage to India, mm. Places in the Heart, mm. and A Soldier's Story. Mm. I would have voted for Places in the Heart. Yeah, I was just on the other day and I was watching yeah, it. I think it holds I think it's up beautifully. Really, really good movie. It's also depressing as yeah. hell. <laughs> it's such a sad so story. So you liked it. You really liked it. <laughs> but it's it's so well done. The characterizations, everyone, every single person down the smallest part is excellent. And Amadeus, I thought, I mean, great music because it's Mozart, but it was sort of. I always okay. felt I always, always felt that it was a sort of thin for someone who deserved a lot more. I I <laughs> always felt that it's a sort of a short story, direct uh, stretched out into three hours. I felt that way about the play too. I mean, I would have given some. I mean, F. Murray Abraham was fantastic, yes, and was. I had never seen him yes. before in my yes, life. Yes, he was excellent. And he you was. You mean you never saw a Fruit of, Fruit of the Loom commercial? Was he? Was he one of the fruits? Was he one of the? Which, which fruit was he? I think, I think the it was cherries, the grape guy. Uh, yeah. Oh, all right. See, <laughs> as as Fassbender said, even dwarfs started small. Well, um, I, no one does fruits and vegetables like I do. Exactly. <laughs> I like the passage to India very very. Much. I do too. I, I like think. that a lot. Too. It's lean. I mean, yeah, but what, it's what? but it's better. I thought it was a better film than either Dr. Shivago or Ryan's Daughter. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yes. And, uh, yes. and we've been waiting Excellent. a decade and a half it's for a film from David yeah. Lean. Yeah. Very beautifully acted. Peggy Ashcroft got the Oscar for supporting it. I think it's one of his movies, too, where, and I think that's part of the fault of Dr. Shivago and Pasadena, where the beauty overtakes yeah. the characterizations of the story. This movie yeah. kept it in control, even though it's really beautiful looking, beautifully edited. Uh, the characterizations take center stage. There are a couple other movies that year that weren't nominated I want to put in a word for. Once Upon a Time in America. Yes. If you could get your hands on the, the original, original yeah. version. <laughs> the original version only, not the cut version. Yeah. The cut version is a disaster. Beautiful. But I think it's Sergio Leone's Oh yeah. Film. Oh definitely. I'm a good, the bad, and the ugly guy, but I'm willing to give you that one. That's yeah. that's a beautiful. I think movie. both the De, De Niro yeah. and James Woods. Yep. Yeah. It's noodles. The other movie, and I heard it's just being re-released in a 4K version, which I happen to like this film a lot. Merchant Ivory's The Bostonians. I don't know if I. I was. Yeah, you know, I saw I, that. It's, Remember it's, seeing Room with a View and Morris and and their this one is earlier. Uh, this one is uh, based on Henry James, yeah. novel, and it has one of the great performances from Vanessa Redgrave, which is saying exactly saying something. She plays a repressed lesbian, and oddly enough, the movie was rated G, because the the uh, uh, board, the ratings board, didn't really understand what that movie was about. 
And uh, the Love producers it. wisely took the rating off because they did not want a lot of little children seeing the Bostonians. Yeah. But um, <laughs> all right, so that's that's definitely mm-hmm. one. The Merchant Ivory stuff from that period is amazing. So, Michael, your number three. Okay, my number three. Okay, I'll go with 1983. 83. Uh, the winner that year was Terms of Endearment. Oh. Once again, a nice weepy. The other nominees that year were The Big Chill, The Dresser, The Right Stuff, and Tender Mercies. Um, But there were other films that I just preferred more. I mean, if I were voting, I would have voted for Tender Mercies or The Right Stuff. But uh, Bruce Forsythe's Local Hero. Yeah, that's an excellent movie. Yes! That's an excellent movie. Yes! We got to mention Bill Forsythe, finally! Yes, yes. And um, and by the way, secret fi- if you can find it, his next film, eighty four, Comfort and Joy. Oh about yeah, the ice cream yep. war. Yeah, lovely and housekeeping too. And then uh, with yeah, Christine Lottie, right. that's a good movie. based on the Marilyn Robinson. You can't Robinson find any film. of his films. No, but but sad. Local Hero was pure pure joy. Um, also, one of I think one of the top Woody Allen movies, Zelik. Absolutely, I've never understood why Zelik. This is sort of didn't get the attention. It did at the time. It's it's, Gordon Willis. Gordon Willis finally got an Oscar nomination for it. Well, but the I think it got lost in the technology. I think people were so impressed with the technology that the power of the story. Yeah, but it's it's quite even even younger uh, friends of mine who um, like Woody Allen don't know that movie. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Never shows. Um, Great. But my favorite movie of 1983 is. The last big movie made by Ingmar Bergman, and that's Fanny and Penny Alexander. Alexander. Um, it's You're cheating. You keep mentioning these foreign films. I didn't know we were sticking. <laughs> Nobody no, said we American. can nominate foreign films. It's our podcast. Hey, it's we very can do possi- what we want. It's very possible that a foreign film might win the Oscar this year. Uh, Roma. Roma. It's very possible. Which I have not seen. Oh, yet. it's great. I know. I'm going to see it. Um, anyway, but uh, you know, this is Bergman kind of doing. His childhood, kind of doing Charles Dickens. It's a three-hour film. It's a movie. It's a wonderful film to watch at Christmas time. It's mm. a good way to put it. Bergman doing Charles Dickens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it is I a little that. long, but it's lovely. And was it a TV movie originally? And then I think it was a longer movie yeah. that was cut down. I don't have the... I've oh, never seen the I longer. Didn't know that. I think. I'm not sure. But it's... it's if anybody, a fact checker. Yeah, and uh, it uh, hard to come by. It did win the foreign language Oscar, and oddly enough, that time here's where my Oscar hat goes on. Love the Oscar hat. At that time, there was a rule in the Academy where if a film was nominated or was going to be submitted by a country, it could not be considered for Best Picture, and that's why Fanny and Alexander didn't get nominated for because they've since you know Z was nominated for both. uh, Foreign film and best yeah, picture, right. and then since then they've rescinded that because um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon won the Oscar for foreign film. Was I knew he'd be handy to have around. Last year, last week, you completely denied knowing all the Oscars inside. And I out. know. I'm not, I just don't know the last twenty years, especially since they've done ten nominees, which I hate. Well, well that's only been the last few years. But no, um, and also the first ten it's the years. The way it used so, to be, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just for a few years, though. In the, into, I don't know into how the many 30s, years they used to be. Yeah, yeah, not early 40s, but it's... I don't like it. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, Fanny and Alexander. Um, I remember when uh, Bergman was nominated for director and James L. Brooks won, I thought. Oh, God. Really? I wanted to meet an Academy voter who really thought that the direction of that movie was better than Fanny and Alexander. I mean, I just like I, I think I screamed at my TV. Don't get me started. No, I mean, so I'm, I'm going to tie it's in. The Australian film that came out that year, I always thought was quite good. It was Careful He Might Hear You. Oh yeah. I've never seen that. Oh, oh that's excellent. it's it's excellent. sad, but it's excellent movie. Yeah, I agree. Good directors. You had Weir, you had Skepsi, you had oh, Bruce yeah. Beresford. You had good directors yeah. coming out of Australia yeah. at that time. So I'm right with you. From my number three is also 1983, and I I can tell you exactly how I felt and where I saw it and when I saw it and who I saw it with watching the right stuff. It is maybe with two or three exceptions my favorite American film of the 80s. I think just. For no other reason, the, the the considering that they're barely working with CGI at all, the the flying scenes 
from oh, beginning yeah. oh, to end great. are great. just still extraordinary. I love, yeah. and I can't believe I'm saying this about a Bill Conti score, but the music is incredible. It's his best score by a long shot, Rocky aside. And Well, he adopted Gustav Holtz. Yeah, oh, uh, no, with planets, planets, yes, yeah, Jupiter. Yeah. But, but also um, the casting. I mean, I had maybe seen Scott Glenn in Urban Cowboy, oh, yeah. but barely right. yeah. Ed Harris and Fred Ward, yeah. and and yeah. and you know you have Jeff Goldblum and Harry Shearer in there, and um, oh, I mean, just the scenes with the astronaut, just spectacular. And I read the Wolf book, and it does justice to that. Yes. It, was, it was also the first time I remember seeing Dennis Quaid, who was wonderful as as Gordo Cooper. You never saw Breaking and, Away. Uh, yes, I did see Breaking Away, but that was sort of a supporting part. True. If you're supporting Dennis Christopher, you're not in a good place. So, <laughs> sorry, Dennis Christopher. But I'm sorry. I, I think Breaking Away is one of the best movies I of love the seventies. I, I do. I love that film. But if you ever get a chance to see it on a decent sized screen, I don't think it's yeah. lost a step. I think, yeah. and now when we've almost sort it's of abandoned, well, yeah, and we've sort mm-hmm. of abandoned the space program to uh, to you know Elon Musk and SpaceX and those guys. And, you know, you and I, the three of us, grew up, you know, watching one amazing thing after another. I mean, the orbit and the men, right. those, those were real heroes to us. And it paints them as heroes, but in all their messy glory, I, I think. And, and um, Sam Shepard is Chuck Yeager. I mean, that's a hero. That's a, and and yeah. there are just moments in that film that still make me. My favorite moment in the film is at the end when they're celebrating the astronauts moving to Houston, and there's the big party going on. Right. And throughout the whole film, whenever they ask Gordo Cooper, who's the best pilot you ever saw, he yeah. always says it's him. And so, of course, reporter what walks right up to him and says, "Who's the best pilot you ever saw?" And his wife smiles at him, and he says, "Well," and he's about to give the pat answer, and then he says, "Well, there was once a man." You know, he says, I've seen a lot of them. And a lot of them, you're talking about the uh, photos on the wall at Poncho's, the bar of all, right. the, of all the test right. pilots who died. Right. And he's about to mention Jaeger. He comes this close to mentioning Jaeger. And it, it's, it's glorious. I don't know what happened to Phil Kaufman. He kind of fell off the edge of the earth. I think he's a script doctor. Okay, and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Unbearable Lightness was mm-hmm. fine. Henry and June was fine-ish. Mm-hmm. Then he did that Wesley Snipes Japan thriller. Didn't see that. Yeah, no one did. So oh, yes, yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah, Rising Sun. Yeah, was that it? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Sean so, Connery. so I didn't see that. Uh, you know, yeah, I please, if you that. haven't seen it, we sat my daughter down and made her watch it, and even she liked it. It's funny though. Everybody thought that was going to be such a huge hit. It didn't. It, it was not. It did not. I never understood well. that. Nope. I think a lot of people. Could, it was being pushed. As, uh, you know, glorifying John Glenn, who was going to run for right, president the following year. Yep. And I think people thought it was going to be political, mm. which it really wasn't. No. At all. No, no, I mean, all. you definitely see Johnson, who was a little cartoony in it. Yeah, yes, I, 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 just, I remember yeah, there is, there is a the moment. Time, yeah. There's a little moment where it's a little cartoony. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would agree with there that. There are a few moments, but uh, I was thinking about that film a lot after I had seen First Man. Recently. Which I have still not seen, is it? Well, it's uh, it's the right stuff without any humor. Oh. And he doesn't have any humor. And he's kind of not that interesting, yeah. Mr. Armstrong. That's what I've heard. It's just, and the movie tanked. Yeah. It's it's just, uh, but, everybody but thought that, it was going to be a big That year, year, though, I it's funny because I think other nominees, the two best films, I think, are The Right Stuff and Tender Mercies. Tender and Mercies. Yes, Tender Mercies. And you couldn't think of two different yeah. More movies, dip, more different. And Duval won for yes. Duval for actor, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Horton Foote's screenplay. Won. Yeah. All right, John. What's your number three? We've been stuck in 1983 for a while. Oh, I know what my number one is, but I have a feeling you guys are going to take it too. No, I think mm, I think I know. Not. I deliberately did not choose that number one because you guys are going to take it. I think I know what it is. Um, gee, I don't know. Uh... Dead air. <laughs> They're all listening. I'm trying to go to. I'm trying to go. No to pressure. A, go to a year where no one, no one has chosen yet. So let's go to '86. 1986. The movies that were nominated were Children of a Lesser God, so Hannah often. and Her Sisters, yeah. The Mission, Platoon, A Room with a View. Hey. I happen to think that Platoon is a very good film. It's one, uh, probably the best choice oh, in the, the 80s. the 80s. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But, I, but at the same time, some of, I, I mean, The Mission and Children of Lesser God, why were those movies nominated? 
Mission isn't even very good. It wasn't even no. considered a good movie when it came. Good out. soundtrack, and Morricone did not win soundtrack for it, which was bad. You know, and were, and there were, I'm sure there were better movies that came out that year. Like were. Blue Velvet. Velvet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> and Sid and Nancy. Oh, Nancy? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And yeah. Something Wild was 86. Yes. Which yeah, was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Something good Wild movie. was like, you know, a martini in the face. It was incredible. And, you know, those, that love that early Jonathan Demme thing. But so you're, you're going to go with Platoon or? You know, I, I definitely, the thing is, I think that was a really strong year for three movies. You got Hannah and his Sisters, Platoon, and A Room with a View. And I would be happy with any one of those three, if they if they had won. Yeah, I could see Hannah and her sisters, especially. Hannah and her sisters is my second favorite Woody Allen. I just think that's a wonderful film. And do you know there was a, a person on the Pulitzer Prize committee that wanted to, to, to try to nominate it for best drama? Wow, it's the only time a movie and they were shut out, shut down or not allowed. No, I get I. I that whole period from yeah. uh, from Zelig through, although there were a couple of clunkers in there like September and Another Woman, but from Ooh, Zelig, yeah. to, I liked Another Woman. I give, give Another Woman. I'll give it another, another shot. Look. But from Zelig, September, to, yeah, yeah. But from <laughs> Zelig to Crimes and Misdemeanors, he was flawless. Yeah. I mean, maybe the best filmmaker in America. All right, we're moving up on the list, Michael. You're number two. Oh, okay. Numero well, due. Well, um. Oh, actually, I'm uh, J- uh, John took one of them, but that's fine. That's all right. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I'm going to go with 1980. Oh, I thought that was going to be your number one. That's my number one. Oh, oh, is it? Yeah, of oh, course it is. Okay. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Well, uh, there were a lot of good movies in 1980. And actually, yeah. next to Platoon, I think Ordinary People is a decent, good it's choice. It's a very good film. Ordinary it's, People? Yeah, it's yeah. a very good movie. Which one? But, but there are... Um, yeah, a couple of classics Others. Let me just mention some of the ones that weren't nominated because I think John is going to, uh, oh, I think to uh, talk about what should have won. going yeah. straight Scorsese on and that. And I happen one, yeah. to agree with him. Yeah. But there were several movies that year that I liked a lot. The Stuntman, Richard Rush's. Yes, with Peter satire. O'Toole. Very good. Very good is one of O'Toole's best. One of my favorite Godard movies called Every Man for Himself. Which I, I have to admit, after 67, I kind of gave up on oh, Godard. Oh, no, but, this uh, one is good. It, Isabel Huppert is in it, who is, amazing. I still think, is one of the best actresses. It's about sexual relations between three people. And I, I, it was the, one of the first... Which is usually Godard, a few dollars extra. But. First Godard movies, I thought, oh, this is really, really good. And I kept going to see other films, and I wasn't as happy. And a Sydney, <laughs> a Sydney Lamet movie... That is... Prince of the City? No. No, that was the following year. No, it's a comedy that nobody knows about, and it's the only good performance Ali McGraw ever gave. Comedy called Just Tell Me What You Want. Hmm. You probably have not heard of it. No. It it came and went. That's a discovery. But it's a... a, uh, Jay Preston Allen, who wrote Marnie, she sure. wrote the screenplay. And Movies like that never get nominated. No, no. no. Um, but it was um, Alan King, in his only leading role, plays this uh, businessman, a Trump-like businessman, except a little nicer, of course anybody is. And Ally McGraw is his mistress, and she marries somebody else, and he goes batty. And tries to destroy her, and she tries to destroy him. And it's hysterically funny. It's got a great cast. Tony Roberts is in it, Keenan Wynn, <laughs> Dina Merrill, who plays uh, Alan King's alcoholic wife, who goes in and out of sanitariums. And in her last movie, Myrna Loy plays his secretary, her kind of beleaguered secretary. And it's just a wonderful film. I, I think you can now get it on DVD. I, I have it on VHS. It's... I just wanted Fantastic. to mention that. That's great. But I'm, but I'm sure you're also thinking of either Raging Bull or... Well, Raging Bull is, is, is definitely the best movie of 1980. I don't I know. I might... Okay. I, no, I, 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 I might other, say the, uh, that's a the same Kubrick movie. Well, The Shining. I know. <laughs> I have to say, I'm going to have to watch The Shining again because when I saw it, I just thought, oh, well, Kubrick's making a slasher film. Yeah, I didn't a very, a, a high I wasn't class, a, I wasn't a fan a of the slasher film. Right, well, I know there's a lot of people who think very, very highly of it. And it has aged very, very well. And, Stephen King is and it's funny because uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we were speaking of critics at the beginning and, and film writers. David Thompson is someone who hates Kubrick. Yep. But he loves The Shining. He loves The Shining. Yes, really? he does. Yeah, he thinks the Shining Especially is a Jack great Nicholson's movie. performance in there. 
Yep. So here's uh, Johnny. <laughs> oh my God, it's such a good movie. Um, so number two, I'm gonna take us to 1987, um, where sorry, the late, recently deceased Bernardo Bertolucci's uh, Last Emperor won a beautifully, stunningly shot. Film <laughs> spectacular and gorgeous, but for my money, only the second best film that year that was set in China, even because I'm giving it to Empire of the Sun, which, and here I'm gonna say it, is my favorite Spielberg movie because he's always trying to see things through a child's eyes, you know, an ET and uh, or children, adults like uh, Richard Dreyfus's character in. Uh, um, Close Encounters. He doesn't and anymore. The, I know he doesn't anymore. And and I I think Empire of the Sun. I don't know, I didn't know the Ballard novel that it's based on. I didn't know the memoir. I was completely blown away by it. It was totally. It was a very grown up film for Spielberg. It was there were no yeah. neat. You know, it's, I think of two scenes. First of all, the set piece where Jim. Uh, who's the Ballard character, played by, in his very first role, the unbelievable Christian Bale, who is amazing in this. It's, he's the uh, son of diplomats living in Shanghai in 1940 when the Japanese attack, and he is... They're all trying to get out of Shanghai, and he's separated from his parents. And the scene where he loses his parents is one of the great Spielberg set pieces ever. And then That I agree. And you. then the end... You know, where you expect this amazing Spielberg-like reunion, and it's not. I mean, Jim has spent the re all the, inter the intervening years in a prison camp and sort of befriended a group of American pilots. Uh, John Malkovich is, is terrific as Basie, as the leader of that group. And he learns to survive, and his reunion with his parents is very subdued and very unexpectedly sad and i think it's the only time that he really succeeded in not sentiment sentimentalizing if that's an english word um a, the child's point of view so i would definitely go with empire of the sun over the beautiful last emperor and i'm also going to throw in two completely opposite films that i love from that year radio days which i think is the most yes. underrated radio Woody Allen film. wonderful um, it's a great movie i remember a critic somewhere said that it was one of the best portrayals of an american family just in everyday life mm -hmm. ever and i totally agree with that and i'm sorry uh, raising arizona there i had to say it i did like but uh, it's 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 goofy i know it's a cartoon I on guess wheels i have to see it again i know it's but it, it's hysterical. So for eight, for me, my number two is eighty seven. I'm taking. Good morning, Vietnam came out. I think. Yes, yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. So, but I'm taking and uh, Tin Men, and yes. which was good. Yeah, which was good. So, but I'll take I'll take I'll take Empire of the Sun over I, Last Emperor. Of the movies that were nominated, I would have voted for the Last Emperor. Or the movies that were nominated, but. I think there were better movies that came out than yeah. some of the other, like Fatal Attraction. Oh, which I hated. I hate it's that a movie. hateful film. It's a hateful in so many movie. ways. It's just a hateful it's movie. It's just you know, and Hope and Glory. I, I remember very little. I liked it. I do like Moonstruck, uh, although I like I that's like a perfect script. Although I like Moonstruck a lot, a lot, yes. but it's got one really big problem. You're going to say Nicholas Cage? Yeah. Aren't you? <laughs> well, he's so and miscast. Gonna, yeah. He's just, mm. you, you don't buy the fact that he's uh, Danny Aiello's younger brother. It's right. just, you don't believe it for a minute. But there are so many great, like, that's a very quotable film. Yeah, I think it's Norman Jewson's probably his best film. Yeah, I love, uh, and Shanley wrote the script, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. flawless. Johnny, you're number two. I was going to go with that year, but we'll... we'll no, so go with that no, year. No, 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 no. Let's try to choose something that we haven't yeah, talked about We've got covered almost every We've year. We've covered right? every year, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. God. So, that's why don't we go right. to, Why don't we go to my number one? Yeah. Ooh, bloody bold and resolute. We're is just going to go to my number one. Jump right number, to it, brother. Because my number one is 1980, which you've already talked about. Sure. But how the fuck did they pass by? We have to bleep that out. Do I have bleeping technology? Hold on. Well, I can answer that question, but go ahead. No, I, I, yeah, it's, I think it's unthinkable. I, Raging Bull is possibly the best movie of the of the decade. Can't argue. I don't think I'd argue necessarily with yeah. that at all. I, but I, but I, I guess I understand the fact that it's they're not characters you want to spend a lot of time with. Is that the problem? I don't know. That it's, was the problem. Also, it's black and white. That was the problem. Beautiful, Michael Chapman. We love you. Also, it didn't do any business. That's and true. It That's it true. That is true. That's true. And Michael. it did not do any business. That is true. At the time, I have to be honest. I thought it was overrated when I saw it. 
The first time. The first time. And I, I thought De Niro was great. I thought the acting was great. I just thought, oh, God, these horrible, horrible people. And then I saw it about mm, 10, 15 years later, and I thought, oh, my God, what was I smoking? <laughs> because I do think... I do think Salmon, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's just... I think it's just a totally brilliant movie. Yeah, start to finish, every, yeah, yeah. every way. Yeah, from 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 the immediate opening, yep. that that first opening shot. Yep, yep, yep. It's just it's amazing. It's Scorsese at his best, and that's saying something. Yes, yes. and yeah. just beautiful. And I I, I loved. The acting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'd never really seen Joe Pesci much before, no, and never, uh, that I was sort of out of nowhere. All. And yeah. we'd never and seen Kathy Moriarty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And, but it's cast impeccably. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. whoever did the casting on that should get an did, award. Did Chapman win um, Best Cinematography? Um, I don't think so. No, he won film editing and actor. See, Michael doesn't remember the Oscar yeah. stuff anymore. I don't remember what won last year. I couldn't tell you what won film editing last year. Yeah, all right. That's okay, though. That's pretty impressive, Michael, I got to say. I hope you're all impressed out there that Michael knew that. Thank you. But, yeah, and I would also throw, as I said, I'd throw my throw Shining in there, too. But I think this, The Shining is a little bit too sprawling. And, you know, just the tightness of Raging Bull, it, it is the best film of the 80s in a lot of ways. So, yeah, that was highway robbery. But here we go. Michael, you're okay. number one. Number Drum one, roll, please. and um, I'm not saying this is the best film of the '80s, but I'm saying it is my favorite film of the '80s. That's uh, that's good. And it's from 1987. Once again, The Last Emperor was one of the was the winner. I thought there were several very good films of that year, including a two-parter film uh, from France called Jean de Florette. And Man on, and a, Man spring. on a Spring. Yes, those were, those, were, those were excellent. Yeah. Really, excellent. really good films. And well, I haven't thought about those. Those are, those are good examples of novels making really, yeah. really good movies. And a workout, Yves Montan was one of his, I think, his best film performance. Oh, Jean de Florette? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, God, he was great in that. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, another film that I really liked uh, from an actor who I generally don't like uh, is uh, um, Barbara Schroeder's Barfly with Mickey and Another round good. of drinks for yeah. my friends! <laughs> Mickey Rourke. And frankly, the last really good performance, Faye Dunaway. Has yeah. Given. yeah, Barfly was tremendous. Yeah. yeah. Another, kind of, yeah, kind of forgotten. It's, it's forgotten. Right? It's never. I, I Turner should show those or late, late at night if it's an R rated yeah, well, film. They don't. Show that many, you know, more recent movies. Well, they sometimes do, but you never know. But they should. Another film that I personally liked, um, Prick Up Your Ears. Oh, my God. What a great performance. Oh, my Lord. What a good movie. It made me realize Gary Oldman uh, was a major actor. I'd just seen him in as Sid Vicious. And, right. And now he's... Um, and, and uh, Alfred Molina, too. And Alfred first time Molina, I remember seeing yeah. him. Yeah. He was great. And Vanessa Redgrave in a smaller role. Wonderful. What a beautiful movie. Okay. Now, this is may cause controversy. Between we love two, controversy. But my favorite film of the, of, of the 80s, a film I watch at least once a year, plus when I'm on a diet, <laughs> is Gabrielle Axel's Babette's Feast. Babette's Feast. Which won Feast. the Foreign Language Film of the Year. He's cheating. I'm sorry. He's cheating. Well, it won that year. No. Why? This isn't Vietnam. There are rules. I thought we were sticking to movies that were nominated for All Best All right. We're going to have to, American for the next, next time we no. do this, we're going to have to lay down No, I, I, I thought we were... I, lo- I love Babette's Fee. I'm so hungry at the end. Oh, my God. I, I it's watched, such a sensual movie. Actually, Babette's Feast is the reason that I, I left Bowker as a... Um, um, the publishing Lloyd. company where we met long ago. Yes, uh, because the the line that I, I almost don't want to tell the story because Babette's Feast is a movie that is around a lot. Uh, public TV often shows it. Um, cable Turner Classics shows it once in a great while, usually at Oscar time because it did win the Oscar. Um, but uh, it is this beautiful story from by Isaac Dennison about a. French cook living in a rather religious little community in Denmark, and what she does with the winnings of a lottery ticket, of a 10,000 franc lottery ticket. And the movie, it's the best food movie I think ever made. Easily. I mean, I've actually eaten Babette's Feast 
once. Uh, that was like, yeah, one of the restaurants was yeah. doing that. Uh -huh. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, I was doing it here. I didn't do it here, but I did it in Minneapolis. A little too much booze for my taste. I mean, <laughs> you, I, you really come out of there really smashed. The only one that's as good as the Timpano from Big Night. Yeah. I know where they well, make that, that. Which I like a lot, too. Which I like was, a lot, that's too. That's a good movie. I got to make that someday. Big, Big Night is, is my second favorite food movie. But uh, the actress uh, who played Babette recently died, uh, Stephanie. Stefano Adron. Adron. And it's, it's I. I do watch it like as I said once a year. I love this movie so much. I, I had all my friends. I dragged all my friends from here and Minnesota and everywhere to see this movie, and I don't know anybody. I don't remember anybody disliking the movie that I've met. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Yeah. It's very unusual, and and as I recall, it's about the fact that they are all very repressed, very and very hip, and, and this sort of well, they all her, start to smile, right? And her <laughs> serving this incredibly sensual meal reveals gets, their hypocrisy, and, and they get smashed. Yes, awesome. <laughs> they love the wine instead of the water. I mean, it's it is a it's, it's kind a, of like Buñuel meets Food Network, kind of. <laughs> But it is a funny, It's there is a lot of humor in it. Come on, Guy Fieri and when you all know, you can see that. Tell me you can't see that. But anyway, First, that's... Who were the other movies that were nominated for the Best Foreign Film that year? Actually, Au Revoir Les Enfants. That's oh, what I thought. Yeah. yeah, but it hadn't been released yet. And uh, I remember Candace Bergen, who was married to Louis Malle, was quoted as saying, we was robbed. <laughs> Because everybody thought Au revoir, Les Enfants would win. I must confess, I prefer Au revoir, Les That's okay. I understand different. that. So different. I am, Very different. I, I am surprised that Babette's Feast won. I'd, I'd seen, I think, both movies at the time, and I think I was like, ooh. But Babette's Feast, I, I'm not saying it's the greatest film ever made, but I love it. I yeah. just absolutely adore Definitely the won. movie. And whenever I'm on a diet, I do watch it. <laughs> it just kind of makes me feel better, something to aspire to. Definitely one to catch up on. All right, so then I guess I get the last call since John uh, seated his number one position. So, and you guys know exactly where I'm going with this. And we talked about 1989 already. And, you know, apart from the fact that uh, the Driving Miss Daisy is somewhat, you know, unintentionally offensive in certain ways now, not back in 89, but, you know, and we mentioned some of the great films I would, of that year, like Field of Dreams, like Dead Poet Society, I would throw in Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, yes. Yes. which I think, and I've seen most most of the Shakespearean adaptations on film, I'd say that's the best. And better than Olivier's. Oh, well, that's very different film, though, because yeah. Olivier was making a propaganda True. piece. So you could so Branagh was able to show some of the darker stuff. But what a cast, and Derek Jacobi's The Chorus, and Brian Blessed, and all those wonderful English actors in there, and Emma Thompson is the is Catherine. The French oh, Catherine. just Paul Schofield is the French Actually, king. 89, 89 is one of the best years. Yeah. Yep. And I would even throw in, for just for pure, except the actress is so bad, the third Indiana Jones film, the one with yes. Sean Connery. That's I my think that's favorite my favorite Indiana one. Right? That's Jones my favorite movie. one. The only thing that keeps me back from that is I so love Karen Allen in the first one, and the and the who actress the who plays her name is Allison Duty, appropriately enough, and um, she never really acted again. No. Yeah, I never um, saw her again. And, but, but Sean Connery and Demona Elliott yeah. are oh, so wonderful. Yeah. And, and uh, John Reese Davies and. and yeah. Yeah, all yeah. the small parts are yeah. are just wonderful. But 1989 is the year of the film that I think is still, in my mind, the greatest American movie of the last 30 years. And a film that, against all logic and odds, is still frighteningly relevant. And, of course, it's Do the Right Thing. Um, you I think it's I, the best American movie of the last 30 I years? I do. There I wow. said it. Wow. And that's a bold statement. We'll have to argue that one out sometime. But yeah. do the right. I remember, so I taught a film class at Brooklyn Academy of Music for uh, New York City teens. And I hooked up a thing where I was showing it. They watched it at BAM, and my, my film kids <coughs> at, at uh, my school watched it. And this was a bit, this was in 2014 for the 25th anniversary. Mm hmm. And I thought, you know, we'd be able to just look at this as some historical document. It's like, oh, my God, guys, can you believe how bad things were back in 89? And actually, it was spot, spot on. I have to it see was, it again. It was I not it, seen it since 1989. It's so alive. It's so beautifully shot. It's the one time. Even Spike's acting, for once, is acceptable. <laughs> I, and what I really love, which he, which he like, didn't do, for example, in Black Klansman, he sort of hit you over the head with an ending when he showed the uh, footage from... Um, 
from Charlottesville, uh, at, which yeah. he also did at the end of Malcolm X, you know, with the little kids in South Africa standing up and saying, right. I'm Malcolm X, I'm yeah. Malcolm X. Yeah. But it, Do the Right Thing ends... I like Black Klansman a lot. Black Klansman was yeah. great. Well, that's next episode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do the Right Thing ends with the Martin Luther King quote about uh, eye for an eye leaving everybody blind and the Malcolm X quote about, and then it just ends on the image of Smiley, the picture that Smiley, the one time Malcolm and Martin met. And so he he can't or won't make up his mind or realizes that it's too complex a question to just come down on one side of. I mean, it's just everything. It's hilarious. It's terrifying. It's heartrending. And the most heartrending thing of all is that if anything, it's even more relevant 30 yeah, years later than yes. it was. I mean, yeah. who would have thought? I mean, yeah. I, you, th- you would have thought. I love Samuel L. Jackson in it. Mr. Senior Love I loved, Daddy. I love I that part when he's all the different people using the racial epithets. He's kind of, and he's like, cool it. Right. Chill <laughs> out. Which he, by the way, goes back to in 25th Hour in a different way, which is a yeah. lovely thing. And, you know, Spike was, was you know, because um, She's Got to Have It was really kind of exciting indie. School Days was a, a bit of a letdown. I didn't care for And then, days. boom. And remember, School Days ends with Lawrence Fishburne saying, wake up and... Do the right thing begins right there with Samuel Jackson as the DJ, as Mr. Senior Love yeah. Daddy saying, "Wake up, up you wake up, you wake up, you wake." Is that shown much though? I never see that on television. No, I mean, yeah, and, and, and Ruby Dee and Ozzy Davis well, and, they're, they're and, and yeah. John Turturro, Richard Edson, Danny Aiello, and, Danny I mean, and even Rosie <laughs> Don Mayer, and Rosie Rosie Perez mm-hmm. even was was annoying in a in a good way. Well, I and Rosie Perez. She, I, well, he discovered her. That was her yeah. first role, and you know, it, it put rap on the on the in the, it put political rap on the national consciousness with the Public Enemy doing uh, "Fight the Power." It, it, it. I saw it. Remember, it came out in, in June of '89, right when the Giuliani, mm-hmm. um, mm. um, right, right when the election was happening, and then that summer. That young uh, young black boy who was walking with his friends in Bensonhurst was right. attacked and, and killed. Right. And Yusuf Hawkins. Do you remember the and, writer, um, Joe Klein? Sure, wrote, yeah, for New York. Yeah. He predicted, he hated the movie, and he predicted there would be race riots because of that movie. Oh, that movie yeah, was, which was so yeah, stupid. Yeah, right, yeah. well, and that's why... People said that about Malcolm X, too. Right, that's why people still talk about Spike Lee and nobody talks about Joe Klein. So, Except and for you know, Primary Colors, which was anonymous. And, and so ironic that it's not even nominated in a year where Driving Miss Daisy, which has a very, very comfortable uh, uh, yeah. middle-class kind of portrayal of a race relation. Got two in, nominations, though, for Screenplay and Danny A. So in talking about 1989, uh, John, just what you mentioned, uh, say anything was also that year. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and what and what and other drugstore cowboy and drugstore cowboy, drugstore cowboy. great Gus Van Sant film. Yeah, so uh, it's almost insulting that um, that that uh, Driving Miss Daisy won and do the right thing. And by the way, of Kim, remember the the ceremony. Kim Basinger of all people, yes. up on stage said, "I can't believe do the right thing, thing was nominated." Um, so right. if Kim Basinger's on my side, I can't be wrong. There we go. <laughs> all right, so there it is. You know, a movie no. that was nominated for Best Picture that got a lot of notoriety and praise when it came out that I don't th- it's been kind of forgotten is My Left Foot, mm-hmm. which I was not crazy about, no. but it won it won the New York Film Critics Award. Yes, yeah. for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah, I, a great performance. I mean, it's, yeah, it's by both DDL and actually by Brenda Ficker, yes, one supporting actress That's who right. I thought yeah. mother, right? Yeah, played yeah. the mother, and I've seen her like once or twice since. But I thought she kind of, her performance held that did, movie together. Did Sheridan direct that? Yeah, Jim yeah, Sheridan. Yeah, Jim Sheridan. Yeah. I did, my favorite Sheridan film is in America, which is much later. But, yes, uh, I like that. I like that oh, more yeah. than in uh, My Left Foot. Yeah. yeah. All right, so there you have it. Uh, thank you, Danny Peary, for inspiring us with the idea, our alternate Oscars for the 80s. So it being the holiday season, we thought we would leave you with, um, you know, if you are someone who is really tired of It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas oh. Story, and Miracle on 34th Street, maybe or animatronic Grinch movies when you have a perfectly good 22 minute Chuck Jones Dr. Seuss Boris Karloff the best Grinch right the best best thing ever the best right so we're going to recommend an offbeat Christmas film Uh, John you want to kick it off what's your well my pick my my possibly my favorite 
Christmas movie is Miracle on 34th Street. Be- the, the original, original yeah. black and white one. Edmund Because, Gwyn. I mean, Edmund Gwynn is great in it. Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, Natalie Wood is a child. She's excellent in it. Jean Lockhart. Thelma Ritter has a bit part. It was her first movie. And wasn't even credited. Wasn't even credited. She was 45 yeah. when she did her first movie. Yeah. And Jack Albertson has a memorable bit yeah. part. It was, I think it was his first movie, too, as a postal worker. And don't forget William Frawley. And William Frawley. Yes, he's sort of a politico boss. Nice. Great nice faces guy. in the bed. No, it's, it's and a then, tremendous And then won Best Supporting Actor. It also won Best Story and Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. But the thing is about that, it's, even though it's a holiday movie, it's very witty. Oh, yes. yes. It's basically yes. And a it's comedy. Sharp. It's very sharp. It's got some good satire and social observations. Right. And it's not sentimental it's or It's not maudlin. sentimental yeah. or maudlin or anything. That's I think that's part of the reason why I like it. But please watch don't. the original mm-hmm. black and white version. And don't watch Watch the remake. Yo, the remake oh. is, is not And good. also a little side moment that, that's kind of fun about it is that it was shot in New York in 1947-46. So on location. Sort of, on location. Yep. So it's sort of fun to see the actual locations from that time. All right. Michael? Okay. I do want to put in just a little word for um, the bishop's Uh-oh. wife. Oh, which yeah. Is, which is... But I consider that to be one of the main... St- main Cary Grant, Cary Grant, Loretta, Loretta Young, Young, David yeah. Niven. Apparently, nobody wanted to make it. Apparently, neither Niven or Cary Grant. They, they originally they switched their yeah, roles. Yeah, originally they were supposed Samuel, to be the opposite roles. Samuel Goldwyn fired the director, and then they switched roles. But apparently, nobody was happy on that set, and it, it got nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture. <laughs> it was a very successful forty-seven film, nineteen forty-seven. Yeah. The year after, it's. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, which also didn't do any business no, in 46. No, it was a disaster. The movie that I'm going to mention, bring up is one I haven't seen in 42 years. I haven't seen it since I was a college student in Minneapolis. It is going to be on Turner Classic Movies, though, on um, Sunday the 23rd at 8 o'clock. It's a British film called The Holly and the Ivy. I cannot remember the director, but it's from a play that uh, is popular in England, and it's a drama. It's about a a minister and his uh, two adult daughters and one son and their relationship and how it all comes together at Christmas time. What I remember loving about this movie was the acting, especially the lead actor who played the minister who was not able to communicate with his children but able to communicate with his Parishioners, is Sir Ralph Richardson, who I think is one of the greatest actors of the yeah. 20th century. He's and he plays this just beautifully. And his daughters are played by Margaret Layton and Cecilia Johnson. Mm. And I have a thing for the great Cecilia Johnson. She well, only made Brief Encounter. She only made 11 movies, and um, uh, Brief Encounter is her most famous. She was in the, This Happy Breed. And a couple other David Lean films. She's in The Captain's Paradise. She's absolutely hysterical. And her last theatrical movie was The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, where she plays uh, the uh, headmistress, Miss McKay. Oh, that's right. And if you watch Harry Potter and watch Maggie Smith, she's doing Cecilia Johnson. She's doing her. And almost to a science, and I don't think... I know critic has ever mentioned it, but this is one of her 11 films. She's just brilliant in it. And Margaret Layton is the other daughter, and she's very, very good. And Demone Elliott, as a very young man, is wow. the son. I'm excited because, maybe, who knows, maybe I'm wrong, that maybe it wasn't good, maybe it was just me when I was 20, but this movie just really moved me as a college student, and now I'm going to see it for the first time in 42 years. You can't get it on DVD, you can't get it on VHS, nobody... I, I, hats off the Turner Classic Movies for uh, rediscovering, love them. rediscovering this film. The, uh, the 23rd of um, December, 8 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> EST. <laughs> for, All right. for our Western listeners. <laughs> and uh, for, uh, right, for, for our first, huge fan base. A word from our sponsor. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
mine, I'm just going to mention very briefly two films that have Christmas as a theme in the background. Uh, one, of course, is Die Hard. Um, which it, 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 you wanted an offbeat Christmas film? It's he, Bruce Willis is coming out to L.A. for Christmas, and there's a lot of Christmas stuff. You know, like when he kills the first baddie and writes "Ho ho ho!" Now I have a machine gun on it with a Santa hat, and Christmas is always kind of in the background of that. So I think we have to sort of consider it, especially the way Alan Rickman reads it. Ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. Um, Alan Rickman <laughs> is great. He is. It's great. one of the great actors. It is one. Of the great and, and for all you at potential action movie directors out there, the reason Die Hard is so great is because it's the, of the confinement of the space that everything is jammed into those three or four floor, floors of that building, and it adds to the tension tremendously. Yeah. The other one I can tell you the day I saw it was December fourteenth, nineteen ninety, with Mira Katari, the great Mira Katari, yes, another Balkarite, yes. um, at the Ziegfeld, and that's Edward Scissorhands. Because Christmas is all over Edward Scissorhands. Remember, the whole thing is they're having a Christmas party, and he's he's cutting the snow angel and everything. And what I love about Edward Scissorhands the most is the beginning, which everyone forgets. It's in, The whole film is an answer to a question. Because the little girl in the very big bed, very burden shot, asks the grandma, who turns out to be Winona Ryder in age makeup, Grandma, where does snow come from? And that's the whole the whole movie is the answer to that question. Okay. All right. And yeah. and and you, the age makeup is not great, perhaps, but the ending is they come back after the whole story after Edward goes back um, to his house and she's uh, she's with her granddaughter again and she says something like you know it never snowed before you know before he was there and now it does and she and some one of my favorite last lines of any movie which is sometimes you can still catch me dancing in it <laughs> you know because there's that the best scene in the movie and the Danny Elfman music is so perfect so there's your offbeat christmas movie all right i know someone who likes to watch the godfather at christmas time he insists well it's sort of a christmas movie it's kind of <laughs> Absolutely. I said, well, I guess there is the part of the movie that takes part that takes place at Christmas time. I watched The Ref with Judy Davis and Kevin Spacey. I may not be watching it this Christmas because of Mr. Spacey's. Uh, yeah. But uh, to me, it all takes place Christmas Eve, and it's very funny. And if you want uh, an, an, an oldie that I remember seeing once with my dad when I was a kid on 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 TV, um, Christmas in Connecticut with Barbara Stanwyck. Um. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love. About it. It's sweet. I love. I love, love, um, I love her. So I love. Um, Sydney Greenstreet. Sydney Greenstreet. Yes. I think he steals the film. By God, a but character, Turner, sir. But Turner Classic <laughs> surely did. Yes. But, but Turner Classic shows it a all lot. the time. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there it is, friends. Episode eight: Alternate Oscars, the nineteen eighties. Um, our January show, of course, will be our best films of two thousand eighteen. Uh, we may do a top ten, which means it'll be a double episode, but we'll argue that one out. Um, we wanted to remind you that our website is out there, www.vintagesand.com. We have gotten some uh, emails and such from people who aren't related to John. So, <laughs> so you know, if you're out there, let us know because uh, we want your suggestions. We want your feedback. Um, as always, Vintage Sand is a five nines and a four production. We want to thank Melissa Cabot for our produce as our producer, uh, Mama Sue for the use of the hall, Gabby for our logo. Check out the website, as I said, and have an amazing holiday. Be safe. Watch lots of really good movies. See Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and we will see you all in 2019.